This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast is brought to you by the MLB app. Yankees baseball is always live with the MLB app. Follow the action with game tracking and video highlights, along with up-to-the-moment stats, standings, breaking news, and more. Download the MLB app today. It's your number one app for Yankees baseball. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast. I'm John Schwartz. I'm the deputy editor for Yankees Magazine. Joining me right now on the phone, we have our editor-in-chief, Al Santasiri. Hi, John. What's going on, Al? And from the basement of the home that he is soon to be moving out of, we have our executive editor, Nathan Makaborski. Hello, everybody. Glad to be joining you today. I'm going to knock on on wood. I'm going to do anything else of that nature because... We're, we're coming right up on Memorial Day, and I, I think that, guys, the next time we record an episode, it'll probably be together in person in Yankee Stadium, and that's pretty exciting. Yeah, it really is. It's It's been a long time coming, but it's it's something that uh, I think we're going to, you know, really going to enjoy being back and collaborating together in person as, as much as we, you know, we've been able to, you know, to do from afar. I think our lives will be a little bit easier. I think we'll be a little bit more productive and coming off a a magazine that I consider, you know, one of the more impressive that we've had in a long time. I think things are only going to continue to get better. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Even just the, uh, you know, stuff like, uh, you know, the banter in between when we're writing our stories and, and being able to, you know, go out for lunch together and stuff like that. All these little things that we haven't been able to do uh, in nearly a year and a half. And of course, you know, from a work standpoint, yeah, I'm really looking forward to being back in the office with you guys. And uh, the workflow should be a little more smooth, I would say, uh, starting next week when we're back at the stadium. The workforce will be more smooth. I think the sound quality is going to be better. I think all all these things that, you know, we're going to look back on this time and I'm not trying to get sappy when I say this. We're going to look back on this time and, and, you know, there's a lot of misery, certainly, over the past 14, 15 months, whatever it is. I can't do math since, you know, the last time we were all in the stadium together. I think that at some point, I hope that it registers with all of us and more importantly, with all of our readers and our listeners and what have you, the way that I think we were able to make it read and sound and feel as seamless as possible because like everyone else in the world, we were kind of thrown into trying to figure out how to find another way to do everything that we have gotten accustomed to. And while it wasn't easy at times, and I don't want to pretend that there weren't hiccups or or things that I wish had gone differently, or maybe things that I had noticed or you had noticed Nate or Al that no one else had, but you know, we did, we, we, we put out every magazine, we had every deadline, we got our podcasts out and while I'm certainly excited to get to do it in person again, I, I'm very proud of what we were able to do remotely over the last, uh, you know, like I said, 15 months or so. 
It's it's been a great product. You know, my favorite work we've put out actually happened during the pandemic, whether it was the 40th anniversary stuff we did on Yankees magazine last year, John, your story on um Corey Kluber uh this time around, uh Nate, your your Cape Cod story I've read now, I think, three times. And again, really it's some of the some of the best pieces we've had. So kudos to you guys. So obviously, uh we we are kind of reaching one of those great transition points that we come to every year. Memorial Day comes upon us. It, you know, we call it the official beginning of summer, whatever. It's also hitting literally on the day this year that we change over from our May magazine to our June magazine. So that's exciting. But I feel like it's a good time to use this episode, if you will, to hit that transition ourselves, because obviously, look, we have plenty to discuss about how much fun in most ways the last week has been for Yankees fans. We had a no hitter. We had a triple play. We had a six game winning streak. This is stuff that, uh, it's certainly fun to talk about, and we will do that. But another almost under-the-radar part of what's been going so well over the past few weeks is also happens to be the subject of our May cover, and that's Aaron Judge, who, look, I, the story, <laughs> because, because this team isn't going crazy offensively right now, the story certainly of the last week has been the pitching, but you still need to score runs. And one guy who's responsible for many of the runs the Yankees are scoring right now is certainly Aaron Judge. Al, you are, I, I would say, our foremost Aaron Judge reporter. I think you spent <laughs> the most time talking to him over the past five years or whatever. I can't believe it's that long that he's been in pinstripes. What were you looking to do in this case? You know, it, it's something that um, I've taken a lot of pride in. I've interviewed him, you know, from the time he was uh, in AAA, uh, you know, and, and done some really fun stories with him, you know, interviewing him again, you know, when he was in the minors interviewing him and Giancarlo Stanton together. And, you know, this was kind of a fresh approach. What I'm kind of, uh, you know, always interested in with him is not just talking about the good times and the, you know, all the home runs that he hit in 2017 and, and also at other times in his career and all the success that he's had, but also how he's weathered kind of the, the bad times, because there has been some some bad times. And, and most of that or all of that, I guess, really has to do with injuries. And, um, you know, he's a big guy. He's dealt with some, you know, some frustration uh, during the early part of his career based on, you know, on being injured. And I guess before even doing the interview, what I've always been impressed with him for is when I see him talking about it, you know, in, in group settings or in these days in, in Zooms and things like that is, it's, he, he's always very positive about it. He's always very optimistic and he's always very able to look back and genuinely show that he's, you know, kind of blessed for having the success that he's had. Yeah, I, I think that came through, Al. And obviously, you know, I, I joked that you've certainly written the most about Iron Judge. Nate, you and I both certainly have spent our time, whether on Zoom or on the phone or in days gone by in person with with the big guy. It's weird because on the one hand, my experience with him, and you can tell me you feel differently, either one of you, is he's a challenge because he is not going to give you much. And I think we all had our training for him, in a sense, with Derek Jeter. And obviously, like Jeter, Judge is very professional. He's kind. He he is accommodating on his terms. So I almost feel like every time I'm interviewing Aaron Judge that before he hears my questions, he knows exactly what he's going to give me. And it's up to me to kind of work around some of those limitations that, and, and those guardrails that maybe he put up, puts up for himself. 
And so every time I read something different about Aaron Judge, I'm always excited and interested by it. And now I think there was some stuff that you were definitely able to pull there. You know, I'm curious, what, what were some of the things that surprised you maybe in this go around? One thing that I that I just kind of enjoyed, again, talking about how optimistic is he, you know, he said when he looks back on, you know, in the last five years, he's, he's uh, mindful that it, it hasn't been perfect. But he said, I wouldn't change a thing because he's learned and become a stronger and better person from the, the trials and tribulations associated with the injuries. And then at the end, he kind of caught himself and thought about it again. He goes, you know what, I, 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 I would change one thing. And what I would change is that I would have won a World Series by now. But that's what the next 10 to 15 years is for. And, you know, that impressed me. It was maybe the way he said it or the delivery of it was impressive and confident. But also, you know, to have a, a great perspective on, you know, there's things you can't control. Injuries come up. They're going to happen. You learn from them. You make the most of them. It's a great, it was a great learning lesson. And, you know, I'm going to win a championship. It just hasn't happened yet. I think the delivery of it was just so perfect and so confident and, and all that stuff. And I don't know why I'm surprised by it because he's, you know, he's an impressive guy to begin with, but I was taken back a little bit and, uh, and I loved it. I just loved hearing him say that and it helped to, you know, really kind of make what I thought was a, a compelling conclusion to the story. Al, how impressed are you with Aaron's ability to articulate kind of, you know, big picture uh, ideas about himself, his career, the team. We even tried to uh, reflect exactly that idea on the cover, you know, with the, the photo and, and the headline, big picture. Because this is a guy, you know, he's still relatively young. You know, he just turned 29. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that this interview took place during the season. So it's not like, uh, you know, you're catching up with him on a, a backfield in Tampa in February. Um, you know, here he is kind of in the middle of, of the thick of things and he's still able to, um, you know, re reflect on just more than what's right in front of him that very day. You know, it's, it's something that when you interview a, a veteran player, such as a Brett Gardner, which I know you also did recently, uh, I guess it's easier to kind of, uh, understand a, a player like that's ability to think about the big picture, but just in terms of Aaron judge and, and his, you know, relative age, um, just how impressed are you with his ability to, to formulate those kind of thoughts? Well, you know, I think it's great. You know, it's a great question, Nate. Um, you know, so many people compare <laughs> like, like John just did. And, and I've done a million times, you know, compare Aaron to Derek Jeter. And I think a lot of those comparisons are very, very fair because they were two guys who I'll call them kind of old souls. They were, uh, are, I shouldn't say were, they are, um, guys who are always been wise beyond their years, mature. One stark difference for me, and I don't know that Aaron is this way with everybody. And I feel very, you know, lucky that he's, he's given me a lot of candor because, because, you know, that's not how he always is uh, in one-on-one -on -one interviews, but I feel really, really great that I've gotten some candid words from him over the years and particularly in particular, just, just recently, what really separates him from Derek in a lot of ways for me is Aaron will be both reflective and he will look forward. He's not afraid to do either. Derek Jeter was just focused on the moment, not to say he was afraid either way. And, you know, I kind of had this running joke with him that, you know, 
let's talk about this amazing accomplishment. And he's like, I, I don't really want to talk about it that much. I want to focus on now. And that's not great when you're the publications director for the team. You know, Aaron will talk about the good. He's not going to boast about it, but he'll talk about the good. He'll talk about what he went through. And, and, and to that point, he will, you know, be willing to kind of go out on a ledge a little bit and, and go deeper, go 10 years down the road. This is what I want to do. Al, and look, I mean, it's not for nothing that the headline of your story in the May issue is winning mentality and the cover, you know, tagline is the big picture. This is a guy who sees that. And, and I think that one thing, I don't feel like we need to make this entirely a Derek Jeter conversation, but one thing about Derek Jeter that I always found interesting is that he almost had the attitude of a guy who had never won anything in the sense that there was zero complacency. There was zero sense that like, okay, I've tasted it and now I'm kind of good. It was always like, I've tasted this and now I need to pursue it as though <laughs> I'm going to get it for the first time. And another guy that always comes to my mind in this is also CeCe Sabathia, who in some of my conversations with him, he would bring up he had never gotten a win in a World Series game. And I said to him, obviously, like, cool, but, you know, your team won the World Series and you were a big part of that. You just didn't get the win in that game. And he said, no, I need I, I need to get that win. And and obviously it didn't happen, but but he, the World Series ring is no less shiny. You know, the mm-hmm. Hall of Fame plaque isn't going to look any different because of that. And I, and I get this sense with Aaron Judge that, you know, there are some players who you kind of wonder sometimes if they're the dog that's going to catch the mailman. Like, you know, you chase, you chase, you chase, you chase, and you get it. And then it's like, okay, well, what now? Whenever Aaron Judge wins, I just have this sense that it's going to be that same, you know, Jeter style of just I need to do this now every single year. Like I don't think that anything is going to change in him if, as he says, or when, as he says, the team the team wins the World Series. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair statement. Um, you know, Derek was I, I didn't work for the Yankees in 1996, but you know, I think there was that that sense like when he won the first one. Okay, you did it. You know, that's great. He had, you know, he had bigger visions, you know, in in becoming one of the greatest players in history, becoming one of the most winning players in history, if you will. And obviously five championships later, he is that. Getting that first one is, Derek still talks about it's the sweetest one because I don't know that two and three could ever be as sweet as one or five is, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of similarities between championship number five and four or three and five or something like that. But getting the first one means that you are a champion. And I think Aaron recognizes that as well. And I think that's why that desire is so, 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 so great. Hopefully he gets it. And if that happens, I don't want to be presumptuous in any way, shape or form, because we've all seen how hard it is to do that. But if it happens, yeah, John, I I think he then does kind of again, start to mirror Derek and like, I got it. It's great. Nothing will ever top this, but I really want a second one. And I would say though, Al, that, that perspective that you're talking about with Jeter though, that's easy to do after the fact. I mean, we've seen Jeter mm-hmm. soften. We've seen him act like, you know, we, it goes back to at his hall of fame press conference when someone asked him, you know, about the the one person who didn't vote for him. And he was like, Oh, you know, I never thought about that. That's the difference between me and you guys. I never thought about the things that didn't happen. I only thought about the things that did happen. And it's like, no, you didn't, Derek, you had the biggest mm-hmm. chip on your shoulder of anyone in the universe when you were playing every slight you use as motivation. That's how you were great. That's how you made the hall of fame. It's easy to look back now and say, Oh, that stuff doesn't bother me, but it definitely did. And I guarantee you in talking to Derek Jeter over the years in whether it was 2002 or 2005 or after 2009, if you asked him in that World Series in 2009, is this 
any less special than 1996 because it's not your first and you've won it so much. The answer, I'm sure he did give this. I don't have a quote right now, was no, this one's way more special. It's been so long. You know, nothing's more special than this, blah, 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 blah. You can go back after your Hall of Fame career and, and then put things into perspective. But I don't think that guys with that, again, winning mentality that you want to put it in, in this feature, Al, that's not the, the winning mentality is saying that there is no moment like the present. You know, it's a good point, John. I, I think um, you are great for a long period of time because you don't ever get complacent. And Derek Jeter never got complacent. If you get complacent and you get happy that you so happy that you won a championship that, you know, you don't care about the next one or the next, you know, trying to get to the next one you know, then you're not, a, you know, you're probably not going to be a hall of famer. And there's been plenty of players like that to be very honest with you. Um, you know, that's the thing for, for all the talking we do about Aaron judge and all the talk that we did about Derek Jeter, you know, the one thing that sometimes I kind of lose track of is the realization of how unique those guys are. Derek was a special player. Aaron is a special player. There are, there are things that they do similarly in terms of the, the tremendous motivation they bring to the game. That's rare. I mean, you know, we're not going to go through and talk about all the guys that don't have that similar drive, that consistent drive year in and year out, but they're out there too. And John, just going back on another point you made, yeah, I think he did have a chip on his shoulder, but in a good way. I think it, it you know, it was never something he, he carried out in a negative fashion. I, I think he always was so respectful to everybody around him, to, you know, people who wrote good things, wrote bad things, said good things, said bad things. But deep down, he always wanted to prove people wrong. No, it, was, it was fuel. It, it, it was literally his food. Agreed. Well, I, I'm just very uh, happy, not only with the way that the story turned out, uh, you know, you always want the cover story of any magazine to, to be compelling and, and of interest to our readers. But we certainly love it when uh, the guy who's on the cover has a month like Aaron Judge just had. I mean, he hit over, hit over 350 while gracing the cover of the May magazine. So uh, we can't ask for, for much more than that. That was pretty cool. For sure. So as we said, the story is winning mentality. It's a uh, look, it's a winner. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, everyone. Uh, but we're going to take a we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to discuss a, a moment that no one will ever forget. Because as much success as the Yankees have had in the last two decades, in some ways, and as much as Yankees fans are used to postseason runs and World Series runs and all these things, it's been a long time since Yankees fans got to enjoy a no hitter. And we are going to talk about that when we get back. So stick with us. Hi, this is Aaron Boone. You're listening to the Yankees Magazine podcast. This episode is also brought to you by MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand with MLB.tv. Your subscription also includes the MLB app Premium, allowing you to stream live baseball with your favorite supported devices. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Welcome back, and guys... I don't know about you, but still, still a little tired, still a little uh, worn out, uh, and, and I didn't even have to throw 101 no-hit pitches like Corey Kluber did. But uh, as both of you know, and certainly as uh, it's going to be fun to share, it turns out no-hitters are a lot of work, not just for the pitcher and catcher, but for some uh, behind-the-scenes Yankees magazine staffers. I laughed, John, when you said that because you said I didn't even have to throw the no-hitter. 
So I've been telling the, the story that, that our whole staff is kind of um, about what our whole staff is, you know, has dealt with over the last week. And, and I should say dealt with, got to do. And just like you said, I didn't even have to throw the no hitter. I've been saying, and I didn't even write the story about it. <laughs> so I'm, I, I'm like two steps removed from Corey Kluber. You're one step. And we still, you know, all had to really put in a, you know, a colossal effort uh, because of the timing of it. You guys did an amazing job. And, and, and John, the story is, is absolutely riveting about something that was riveting. So to give a little bit of backstory here, our publication schedule usually, so we, we try to come out with a new magazine as close to the first of the month as possible. And it usually takes a, about a week, a little bit more than that to get from the moment when we finally you know, clap our hands and say, we're done to the time that the presses start running to the time that the books get bound to the time that they get boxed up and shipped and put on a truck and get to Yankee Stadium. We were done <laughs> with our June issue. The June issue was done and, and we were ready to start working on our July issue. And all of a sudden, you know, one good inning, two good innings. I remembered after the second inning of that game, I texted a friend of mine that Corey Kluber's got the good stuff tonight and kind of kept going, kept going. And, and suddenly it was about the sixth inning when I realized this is fun and interesting, but also there could potentially be a lot of work tonight <laughs> because if we are going to change this magazine in time to go on sale on May 31st, it's going to need to happen within the next 20 hours. And that meant changing the cover. We had a great cover story that was all ready to go, but it meant changing that. That meant writing a full 3000 word feature that meant small things that no one would really think about, like changing the table of contents, changing the editor's letter, changing the masthead, putting all the you know new photographers whose stuff we use. We changed, I think, the extra innings page, the last page of the magazine. Mm-hmm. It was an absolute whirlwind. And I'll tell you, like there, were, I also on that Thursday had to coach my son's baseball team, um, and a lot of people were just like, "Man, how how much fun was that?" You know, Yankees throw a no hitter, and I, my reaction was just like, "Yeah, it, it was it was a lot of fun." Um, it was a crazy amount of work, though, that I probably uh, didn't realize I was going to be dealing with as I was watching one inning after another of just brilliantly pitched baseball. It struck me later in the evening than you know than you, but it's funny, John. You're talking about your you coaching your son's baseball game. I remember you know having a conversation, funny enough, with my son's baseball coach, and he and I said, "Man, I'm I'm tired. You know, I've been editing this story and." you know, just so much going on and writing a new column and doing this, that, and the other thing. And, and I told him kind of that same story and he made a joke back at me and said, yeah, I guess you can't put Chad green on the cover after one of your starters throws a no hitter. And I was like, funny enough, he was one of the guys that was going to be on the cover. (laughs) Like, how did you know that? But kind of put it in perspective for me. Like, no, this was never, it it was never a question. And, uh, you know, we were all on the same page the text messages we had going back and forth that evening. You know, I knew long before I went to bed that, you know, that's what we, that's what we were doing. John, you really took the ball and ran with it quickly that night. Um, I heard you asking questions, I think on every zoom call, it seemed and and good questions at that. And it was hard, but what's kind of rewarding about it is it's a historic issue of, of Yankees magazine now, which for me, like this is my 19th season here. I've never been here during a time when a Yankees pitcher has thrown a no hitter. I can't believe it. There's been some close ones. They're close calls. It's remarkable to me that it hasn't happened in, you know, in the first 18 years. It's weird, especially knowing how many have happened throughout the game. But it's a historic issue of Yankees magazine. Thanks to the the efforts you guys put in. And also it's a really timely thing because it's not like it happened at the beginning of the month. 
you know, the beginning of May. And then we were putting this out at the, at the beginning of June. It happened at the end of May and we're putting it out at the beginning of June. So Corey Kluber, thank you for that timing. And don't ever do that to us again. <laughs> yeah, Al, Al and I were, were meeting to discuss. I mean, we were literally putting the final touches on, on that June issue uh, as the no hitter was happening. And, uh, you know, right after we wrapped up, it was like, you know, we saw this flurry of text messages from you, John and, and Ari. And we were like, Oh boy, we, you know, the wheels just immediately sprang into motion and, uh, everybody involved just really, I mean, it kind of felt like my old newspaper days when, when deadlines were a lot tighter than they are now as part of a monthly magazine, but it was fun. You know, you get that little adrenaline rush and, uh, John, it was like incredible how quickly you turned that story around and it, it's a great story. And then, you know, we certainly got to thank our, our colleagues over at the Rangers who, who supplied us with all the photos the next day. Um, so we were able to, you know, lay everything out and, uh, and get a great cover that, like you said, Al, I mean, I think this is really going to be a neat kind of collector's item for a lot of people. For sure. And obviously for me, like, it, look, we all saw what happened. We're recording this on Wednesday. Tuesday night was uh, Kluber's first start since the no-hitter. And you you watch this stuff and you wonder. And I have to say, God, I don't even know if I should admit this. One of the funny things for me is, look, we we live in the time of MLB.tv and push notifications from MLB app and all these things. And I would say that despite the fact there are so many no-hitters being thrown now, one thing that has changed for me is basically – I would say of all the no hitters that happen in Major League Baseball over the last couple of years, I've probably watched the last inning or two of maybe 90% of them just because I can because it's available because I can change my TV to whatever Angels game I, I can get it. It's not that often, obviously, that I happen to sit down and watch nine innings of a no hitter. And I'll be honest with you, if I'm not working at the Yankees game that night. It's not like I sit there and watch nine innings of every Yankees game. Even I, I, I watch what I am need for work. So my plan had been for the July issue. I was writing a feature about Corey Kluber. So <laughs> I sat down there. I told my wife, uh, you know, last Wednesday night, I need you to handle bedtimes, all this stuff. I really I, I want to watch this entire game. I kind of want to just, you know, be in every pitch and see what's happening. And so in the pregame press conferences, if you'll remember, obviously, the night before Spencer Turnbull from the Tigers had thrown a no hitter. So it was on people's mind. And I think I asked Aaron Boone about what has impressed him from one start to the next about Corey Kluber. And the answer he gave was about his command. His command is just getting better and better. The next person asks a question and it was about all the no hitters. And this is toward the end of the presser. And I raised my hand again. And it turns out I didn't get called on because they had to get the next guy in. And it's good. I didn't get called on because the question I was about to ask was as a follow-up to the no hitters question, and to my questions about Corey Kluber coming back after two years, my question was going to be, with all the no-hitters that are happening right now, and perhaps with the fact that maybe they're getting a little bit less historic and maybe a little bit less exciting, does that almost make it easier for you to kind of hope it doesn't happen? That you don't have to be in that situation as a manager with a guy who hasn't pitched in two years of wondering what to do if he's dealing into the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings. And, and and I want to be very clear here. The fact of the matter is Corey Kluber did his no-hitter in 101 pitches. It wasn't like Boone sent him out there to throw 145 because he was so good. But I couldn't even imagine if I had asked that question, like, aren't you hoping that you don't have to deal with a no-hitter? And then 
two hours later, Corey Kluber goes out there and starts throwing a no-hitter. But but like I said, the funny thing is, because of the fact that I had set out to write the story for the next month, just about his recovery and return, I ended up really watching every single pitch of this no-hitter. And I, I forget about just no-hitters. I can't think of too many baseball games in general that I've been more locked in on for the whole three-hour stretch as I was for that game, which which was really enjoyable and really fun, and I felt really lucky. Makes sense. I mean, it, I you know, forced my son the next day to, to watch the last couple innings with me. And he got so into it, as I wrote in my, my column, we ended up watching the ninth inning a couple different times, you know, because it, it was like watching a really good movie. You know, you don't talk about your favorite movie and say, oh, I've only seen it once. You've probably seen your favorite movie a hundred times and you know what the outcome is going to be. But that's how that's how riveting those last couple innings were. And uh, I think everybody experiences it differently your experience is, is really cool to hear about, John, and, and, and the way that you were, you kind of got your attention brought to, you know, to Corey Kluber, not knowing it was going to be that good. And, and it was, <laughs> it was pretty good. It was pretty good, but also it was so typically Corey Kluber in some ways, because, and this is a big part of what I explore in my story. First off, I believe every no hitter is obviously more than the pitcher. And it's even more than the pitcher and the catcher. It's, about all the fielders, it's about all the hitters, it's about all this stuff, it's about, you know, the positioning, it's about the work that the analytics staff does behind the scene to prepare a game plan, all these things are true. But when you're watching that game, obviously, you're focusing on the pitcher. And, you know, when they're dousing guys with champagne or in beer after the game, you, you know, they're not doing it to the left fielder, they're doing it to the pitcher. Um, <laughs> the, the left field, I, I actually, like, in, in going back over the game, one of the funny things about it is that I believe it was Miguel Andujar in left field who did not get a single play on any ball in the entire game. Whereas Tyler Wade, who got thrown into right field, he uh, the ball was kept, just kept finding him and he was incredible. But what I loved about the game is Corey Kluber, even though he clearly did enjoy it and even though he clearly was uncharacteristically excited uh, as was happening, he also still can't not be Corey Kluber. And, and so post-game, one of the questions I asked him was, because if you go back and watch in that first inning, those first two batters, it just looked like he painted those balls. Like literally, if you would have asked him to, you know, just put an X on the board where he wanted the ball to be, that's where it was for, for Calhoun and then Solak. And when I asked him about it and I asked him kind of like, is that when he knew you kind of had the stuff? And he's just like, no, I missed both my spots there. Um, and he told me he was trying to do the exact opposite. And I'll tell you, going back and watching it, you can see that, yes, Higashioka is set up in a completely different space for, spot from where the ball went. And yet, in the same way that sometimes guys are going to hit a ball hard and an outfielder is going to dive and make a catch and preserve a no hitter, or sometimes a guy is going to hit a ball softly, but it's just going to, he's going to beat it out. You know, when, you, when your misses are that incredible, it just shows what you're capable of doing. And as you watch the rest of the game and went through it, he was not missing that spot. And he was hitting Higashioka's mitt every time. And as he was saying, he was getting them to chase when he wanted them to chase. He was getting them to swing when he wanted them to swing. He was getting them to look when he wanted them to look. And it was just a guy, he was just on point for what seemed like for me all night. But I guess what he might say was for 8.1 innings. It's really incredible. I mean, there was so, so many interesting little wrinkles about that performance, too. I mean, the fact that he was in Texas, where he, you know, his 2020 season consisted of one inning pitched on that mound. Um, and then he's back there for the first time. I had read a couple of days afterwards that, uh, you know, they had had Corey Kluber bobbleheads in storage from last year that they never had a chance to give away. So they gave him away that night. So we actually threw a no hitter on Corey Kluber bobblehead night. Uh, but for the other team, I, I spoke to 
Kelly Gavin, the, the Rangers uh, director of photography, who's been doing this a long time. And this is actually the third no hitter that she's shot. But, you know, she 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 had some familiarity with with Corey from, uh, you know, his short time there in 2020. And so when she brought him and Kyle back out to the mound after the game to take a picture of the battery out there, you know, she said to Corey, it's a lot better than your last start here. huh?" <laughs> and he kind of laughed and. Yeah, he, it, it was, you know, it was, uh, I don't think he was expecting to go out there and throw a no hitter in his return, but that's the way it worked out and made for a great story and makes for a dynamite June cover of Yankees magazine. Well, so that that's a that's a good place to to end it, though. I guess obviously the June issue of Yankees Magazine with the incredible Corey Kluber goes on sale on May thirty first, Memorial Day. Uh, the story is available right now on Yankees dot com. I hope you'll read it. It was a lot of fun to write. It's going to be a great memory. It's going to be a, a one of those hard memories. Uh, that we all have from our work careers and whatever industry you're in some of those nights that are really hard but really rewarding i know for me that's going to be one of them so it was fun uh, writing it it was fun talking to you guys about it and i look forward to recording our next episode with you guys in person same here thank you sounds good and to all you thanks for listening to another episode of the yankees magazine podcast we are always excited to bring you this stuff, but we need you to keep listening, to subscribe, to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. You can go to yankees.com slash podcast or any app and just let us know what you think. Also, please email us podcast at yankees.com. If you see in the magazine, we put some questions in there that we'd love to answer, some feedback that we'd love. It really helps. And it's a great way for us to engage with you. So check it out. If you are not following us on Twitter at Yanks Magazine, you're missing all the stuff that we are working on, all the fun things that we get to do, and we, and we hope you'll check us out there. And of course, our online content can be found at yankees.com slash magazine, or you can go to yankees.com slash publications or call 800-GO-YANKS to purchase back issues of Yankees Magazine or to subscribe. Thanks so much for listening. We'll speak to you soon, and go Yanks! Hi, this is Tyler Wade. If you like what you're hearing, why don't you rate and review us? And while you're at it, tell your friends to subscribe. Thanks so much, and go Yankees. The MLB Ballpark app will complete your next visit to Yankee Stadium. Buy and manage game tickets, redeem special check-in offers, access exclusive content, and much more. Download the MLB Ballpark app today. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.